she was like, Ugh. so first of all, you want to leave your job, the money we have coming in. And second, uh, you want to take me out to a different country with our child. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. First things first, let's check in with the co-host, Cody. What's going on, man? Hey, Justin, what's going on? It's been a wintry season up here in Massachusetts. We got 15 or 16 inches of snow on this past Wednesday, but I spun that to my advantage, and me and my girlfriend, Lauren, actually went up to Stratton, Vermont, this past weekend. The conditions were perfect. It was all fresh powder. It actually started snowing while we were there. So I cannot complain about my first snowboarding session of the year. How about you, man? Well, first of all, I'm a little jealous of that. And if anyone has done much Northeast skiing, you know that like fresh powder is not something you get that often. It's a, a lot of ice skating out there uh, if you're skiing <laughs> or uh, snowboarding. So definitely very jealous of that. Um, for me, we're down in Mississippi with some of the family for Christmas I'm normally like super into Christmas, like uh, with the presents and like being surprised. But this year um, we have a very small place. And so we didn't want to just be getting random presents, but we did really want to get into stand up paddle boarding, a little bit different environment down in Austin, Texas, as far as the, you know, the length of the year in which it, it's warm enough to do something like that. So very interested in getting started into that. And actually, we have plans to stop at this awesome looking location. If you want to go look it up, it's called Caddo Lake State Park, C-A-D-D-O. It's right on the Texas-Louisiana border. So you can just imagine on these big cypress trees and kind of a swamp type environment. But uh, we're going to try to do a little paddle boarding on the way home. So a little crazy to think about being on the water in December after living up in Boston, but I'm very excited about it. And before we preview the guest for today, let's take a quick moment for our partner. Keeping track of your net worth is one of the most important things you can do on your journey to financial independence. If you don't have an idea of what your net worth is, there's no way that you can keep your quote unquote score. One of our favorite tools to keep this score is called Personal Capital. If you haven't already started using it, it's an online software that basically compiles all of your data, it crunches all your assets, all your liabilities, and spits out a net worth number and allows you to track it day by day, month by month. Yeah, Cody, one of the big things that hold people back when they're doing activities like tracking their expenses or tracking their net worth is just they look at it as a big burden. And this allows you to go in with one username and one password and access as many financial accounts as you have. These can be loans. These can be 401ks. These can be HSAs, bank accounts, credit cards. They're all linked there. The other thing I really like about personal capital is it's very investing focused. So you can go in there and look at your allocation across your entire portfolio. So you don't just look at your allocation in one type of account, but your allocation as a person completely. And if you want to use the same tool that me and Cody use to track our net worth, which is completely free, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash PC. That's thefyshow.com slash PC. So sticking with the nomadic theme we had with Mr. Nomad Numbers from last week, this week we have Jim White from Route to Retire. And Jim kind of had the cookie cutter corporate job. He was kind of pedaling along, saving a lot of money along the way. Eventually, he discovers financial independence, which leads into his interest in traveling and travel hacking and just kind of optimizing his expenses in cool and different ways. So he starts doing some research, figures out many, many hours and weeks of research, but figures out that Panama is a place where him and his wife might want to stay and spend the rest of their days or at least a good chunk of them. And so they do a little, you know, mini tour down there and they love it. 
And so actually since 2018, Jim and his wife and his daughter, they have been living the expat life. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Jim has done a great thing. And I think it's always sounds intriguing to people to get to do something like living abroad. But I have to give Jim a lot of credit for the way he went about it. You know, he went about it in a, con- a more conservative fashion. They actually saved enough money to where they could retire in the United States if they wanted to. So, you know, they didn't go into it thinking this will absolutely 100% work. No questions asked and went in blindly. Uh, they went down, did a test run, set up lots of conversations with people to make sure that this was going to be the place for them and always had a fallback plan. Obviously, all of that information and a whole lot more will be available through some of the links that we'll leave in the show notes, which you can find at thefyshow.com slash Jim. That's thefyshow.com slash J-I-M. And now enough of the preview. It's time to let Jim shine. Take it away, Jim. I actually kind of had two epiphanies on, on personal finances. The first was long time ago when uh, I was just starting to date my now wife at the time. That was probably about... About the year, oh, I'd say 90, 99, 90, yeah, about 99. And around that time, I started getting into Robert Kiyosaki and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I started learning. I actually met him, which was kind of cool. Um, but I, I started getting into the whole idea, hey, I need to start doing things. I need to get away from this nine to five type of job and look at real estate and, and different options like that. So that's exactly what I did. I bought a, a house in 2003. It was the first house I had um, had ever owned. And the game plan was, let's buy this house and uh, fix it up, rent it out. Life will be good. Then uh, my uh, fiance moved in with me and we quickly learned that I didn't know how to fix anything. I'm not good at fixing anything. So, so that turned out to be a a pretty big hurdle, but long story short, I didn't even understand the numbers real well. I didn't do much, but I dove in, I took a shot at it and uh, we actually ended up just selling that a few years ago. So it didn't go that great, but we got lucky. We had some, some tenants that had stayed in there pretty much from when we started renting it out for almost uh, 10 years. So that was, that was really good. Uh, But they wrecked the place and then we ended up selling it. It was uh, (laughs) so so that was my my first time. And in my head, it was all about, you got to be rich. You got to be, it's all about wealth. It's all about money. The only way you can do anything is if you have millions of dollars and everything. But uh, later on down the line, then I had my daughter in 2010 and I took off of work for uh, for a week and spent time with her. And I mean, I was just, I, I head over heels. I didn't know I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't understand. I had to go back to work and not be with my daughter. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend that. It was, it just, it didn't feel right. And so I was pretty bummed and that took a long time, but probably a couple of years, two, three years after that is when I ran into Joe Udo's blog, Retire by 40. Most everybody says Mr. Money Mustache, but I, I didn't find him till uh, years later. And once I, once I had learned, wow, it's actually possible to retire without being a gazillionaire. And this guy's, this guy's in the same path as me. He's an IT guy. He's retired before 40, has a kid. I mean, this is insane. And it was at that point I uh, talked to my wife and said, uh, we're going to make some changes. And we just, I mean, we were already saving pretty well, but we really got on the path, really started pushing things uh, further on down. We ended up buying a, a duplex as another rental property and just kept pushing money away and, you know, cutting back on different expenses. And 
that's it. Here we are. Well, since your first kind of path, which was that real estate path, didn't go quite as well as you had hoped it would, what did that conversation go like with your wife when you said, hey, I've got another plan now. You're going to love this one. (laughs) Uh, Well, lucky for me, we hadn't uh, gone back into that property again. Remember, we had those tenants in there. So they were still in there when we bought that property. So at the time, we weren't we weren't killing it, but they were they were paying the mortgage down. And so we were gaining some sort of appreciation and we were making just a little bit on it. So when when we looked at this duplex, I was very lucky because I have a good friend of mine who owns uh, quite a bit of real estate. And he actually went with me and walked through the place and it was rent ready. I mean, this thing, now I understood the numbers. We, we were good to go. This is, uh, so this is what, 12 years later. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we did, we did well with this duplex. So I know once you kind of got into the, what you call like your second aha moment of, you know, personal finance, financial independence, whatever you want to call it, you went to your wife and you said, Hey, we're going to make some changes. What type of stuff were you thinking about changing? Like, were you starting to, you know, get the lifestyle creep, buying extravagant things, all that, or, you know, what were those changes on a tactical level? So I, I guess, uh, we're, we're both pretty lucky that we have each other, that we're both pretty naturally frugal. So it wasn't like we were, you know, making it rain, throwing money everywhere. But at the same time, you know, we had a, I think it was a 2,400 square foot house that we moved into. And at the time it was just the two of us. And then eventually we, you know, 2010, we had my daughter, but it, that's, that's too much house. We, we didn't need this, you know, this good a house or this big a house in, in, uh, and it was in a nice neighborhood. And, uh, up until then we had always bought new cars, uh, and everything. And finally we said, you know, I, we don't need them. I mean, they, it just gets us from point A to point B and I, and I'm not hitting on anybody that is all about the cars. I mean, if that's your passion, do it, just cut back on all the other crap that's out there. So, um, so at that point we just kept riding out our cars. Uh, the plan was just ride them into the ground and go from there. So she, she was pretty on board. Everybody was, was pretty good with it. And when you were first looking at going down this path, were you thinking that you would continue to live in the United States or did you already have your mind kind of looking at uh, international spots, that geo-arbitrage mindset? Ooh, I like that question. That's good. So when uh, what happens is when you start getting further on down the path, you eventually get everything automated and there's nothing better than getting it just done for you. Like, so, so I had you know, the 401k is an easy one, but my paycheck would get deposited and the money would automatically come out. Some would move to savings, some would move to uh, Roth IRA, you know, every HSA, everything became automated and I didn't do anything. So then it just becomes a waiting game. And that is probably the worst part of the path to FI. Uh, it's just because it, it drags on and there's, there's nothing else you can do. You've cut out, you know, your expenses, you've done everything you could, and now you just wait and wait and wait. And for some people, that's not too bad. If you have a, a job you love, great. But if you uh, are, are at a job where you're not happy, which was where I was at, then your mind starts to wander. And at that point, I finally had the idea. I said, well, you know, what if, what if we moved to a different, a, a lower cost of living place? And, and initially it was looking at different states, but we were in Ohio, uh, which is already a pretty low cost place. But uh, 
And then eventually I came up with the idea of going out of the country. You know, why limit ourselves? And so after looking at different things, we came up with Panama. And uh, I think my wife was probably pretty, <laughs> I don't want to say against the idea, but she was like, Ugh. so first of all, you want to leave your job, the money we have coming in. And second, uh, you want to take me out to a different country with our child. So that was that was a, a little hard to swallow, but, uh, but she liked the idea. She likes to say, Hey, anything for a free vacation, shouldn't we check out the place first? So we came down here in 2017 and scoped it out and I didn't say a word, happy wife, happy life. So, uh, we got back and I just waited and she finally said, you know, I could do that. I, I think we could live in Panama. We can give this a shot. And so, you know, just real quick, uh, one important thing was she brought up an excellent point. My initial idea was, you know, if the cost of living is so much lower, that makes our phi number lower that we need to achieve. So if we move down, like I can quit my job earlier. But then we realized, uh, well, she realized, she brought up the point and said, you know, if you, if we move down there and we hate it, now we have to make a choice. We either have to stay in this place that we hate or we move back and you have to go back to work. And I'm, again, I don't know why it, I had to go back to work. Why wouldn't she have to go back to it? That's <laughs> not fair, but uh, <laughs> no. So, uh, so I ended up working long enough that we could afford the U S not as uh, freely as living in Panama, but, uh, but we, we, I kept working to save up enough for it. So you say Panama almost like, you know, this magic thing went off in your head, but there's so many other places that are low cost of living. <laughs> I mean, what drew you to Panama? Was it computer research? Did you have a friend who lived there? I'm just curious what the draw was for Panama specifically. Uh, no, I, I did not have a friend here. I need to get some <laughs> friends. No, the uh, I have this tendency where I like to over research everything. I spend hours and hours, days and anything. If I want to buy a new cell phone, oh my gosh, that's going to be, that's a whole project in itself. So this was a big deal. And I just, I just kept digging and digging and I kept, I, you know, we had a, a couple places, but Panama just kept drawing us back because it seemed like a simpler step. It wasn't, we had never lived abroad before, but it seemed like it would just be a little easier. They use the U S dollar here. The, you know, we're in an expat community. So the expats speak English, uh, you know, the majority of them. And the, a lot of the Panamanians are pretty, they're, they're, we're pretty well received here, I guess you can say, and everything. So, so it just, it just seemed a little easier. It's not that far to fly. I mean, it was a three hour flight to Miami and then another three hour flight to Panama. So it wasn't the end of the world. And we said, let's just take it one year at a time and see what happens. So it sounds like you do, like you said, a ton of research, which is obviously really critical when you're picking out these places and making these plans. What is some of the way you did research before the move? And then when you looked at that, what's something that now you can retroactively kind of look at and say, I totally missed this whole category? <laughs> well, I think we got pretty lucky with uh, uh, what we chose. I'm, I'm very happy living here. But I would say, I mean, I just started Googling and then, you know, one thing would take you to another. And then eventually you, you find people who live here and, and, and whatnot. But I, I mean, it was really just a lot of research that the problem is there's uh, you know, there's popular 
magazines, I don't want to say their name, but they, they focus on how you live internationally. Uh, and so those type of things where they, they kind of, they just tell you the good points and they don't tell you the bad points. And my goal is always to see the worst in everything ahead of time, you know, plan for the worst and, you know, make the best of it. And, uh, so we weren't seeing a lot of negatives here in Panama. And then eventually I found, uh, a lady named, uh, Jackie Lang. She moved from Texas, uh, to Panama in 2010, I believe. And she had friends that came down and, uh, she would show them around. And then eventually she had other friends that were like, Hey, this would be neat. Can you show me around? Anyway, she built this into a, a business where she now does relocation tours. And the reason that was a big deal is because she was doing uh, Q&A conference calls every month. And so what I would do is I would listen to these conference calls. I'd ask questions and they would t- they'd, they'd be like an hour long and you could just ask her anything. And she would be straight up with you. There was no BS. It wasn't the, hey, everything's uh, a bowl of cherries here. It wasn't, it wasn't that. It was here's the good, here's the bad, here's the ugly, here's what you'll hate, here's what you'll love. And, uh, and I mean, by the time we were ready to plunge, we felt confident that we were moving to a place we understood the pros and the cons and would enjoy. So Jim, you're an analytical guy, you're an IT guy, you are a research heavy guy, like you mentioned, and this is a financial independence podcast. Could we maybe kind of dig into the cost breakdown a little bit? Because like you mentioned before, you were living in Ohio, which is already a low cost of living state in the United States. But could we kind of maybe draw parallels between what you were paying for things in Ohio and now in Panama? Maybe we can take it category by category, you know, the big three oh and then <laughs> however you want to, you know, however you want to mix it up. Sure. So, so the tough thing is when you're planning to move to another country, like you have no idea what your spending is going to be. I mean, you can kind of guess on things, but you don't know till you get there. You know, there's people here that, that I've seen that are spending $400 on a place per month and some that are spending thousands of dollars on a place. So we didn't know like those kind of things. We didn't know. We knew groceries might be cheaper. They might not be. We, you know, it was, there was a lot of detail that made it hard to plan for. So we did anticipate, my guess was that we were going to spend about 35,000 a year here. And we overshot that. Uh, I could tell you the, this year was a little different. Uh, as everybody knows, 2020 uh, was a year of fun. Uh, so let's not let's not look too deep into that. But that that added some other costs. But based on the normal months here, I think we were looking to spend about forty two thousand dollars a year. And so I'd say between forty two and forty five would probably be about our normal cost. And we are not wanting for anything. And we're we're spending a lot more than a lot of people here. So and don't forget that's three of us, not just. Uh, not just me and, and my wife. We also have my daughter here too. But yeah, if we want to break some things down, um, you know, I can I can give you the uh, like the the cost of our condo. We're living in a, a gated community here, uh, and again, this was this was one of those we want to take it a little bit at a time. So before we just jump into uh, uh, you know living in a in a, a place with all the locals that speak Spanish, let's start a little bit slow. And then this had a bunch of amenities like swimming pool, racquetball courts, hot tub, you know, things like that, that we can enjoy full gym. Um, so our condo is uh, $1,100 a month. And that includes almost all utilities. 
we're paying a little bit for the resort fee now. That's that's a whole different story. But uh, but all in all, I'd say for housing utilities, maybe twelve hundred bucks a month. Not bad. Yeah, and our house, I get. It depends what you want to compare it to, but our, you know, our house living in uh, Ohio was, uh, I was paying about $2,000 for taxes, insurance, principal, the whole thing, um, minus that, that didn't even count utilities and all that kind of stuff. So that was a big savings there. Groceries was a, was a little bit of a change for us. I think uh, we anticipated everything being cheaper here on food, and it's not. You know, you can get fresh pineapples for 50 cents and that's fantastic uh, right off of, of a pickup truck. Uh, try buying stuff off the back of a pickup truck in the U.S. That's uh, that's a little scarier. But here that's that's common. And uh, so fresh food, fruits, veggies, all that kind of stuff are, are real cheap here and you can do well with that. But what's a good example? You want a, a jar of pickles. It's going to be like six dollars for a jar of pickles and stuff. Butter is expensive, different things like that, that you just wouldn't expect. And like I said, we're pretty frugal. So when we were at, uh, uh, when we were in the Cleveland area, we were spending uh, a lot less because we were shopping at Aldi and Walmart. And that was, that was it. Um, so our grocery costs went up a little bit more. Plus we're, we're going out to eat more too, because why not? We're retired <laughs> and it's time to enjoy it a little bit. So, and then your third factor that, that we're talking about would be transportation. And when we came here, we sold everything we had. Uh, we kept like a tiny eight foot by eight foot storage unit, but we sold everything else, sold, gave away. It's it's all gone. Um, everything's furnished down here. So I forgot to mention that with the housing. So that's included in our rent too is, you know, we didn't have to buy couches or beds or anything uh, or utensils came with everything. But so yeah, that third factor is transportation. And we had sold our cars off before we moved here. And when we got here, the plan was we purposely moved to an area. It's Boquete, Panama, and it's it's a walkable town. It's a smaller town. Everything's walkable. And that was one of the other reasons we chose the condo where we're living is because it's a half mile walk to town. And mind you, it's important to know it's 75 degrees here pretty much every single day. So we decided uh, purposely not to get a car when we got here. Uh, cabs are dirt cheap. Uh, it was, you know, if, if we go get groceries and want to take a cab back, it, I mean, it'll run like a, a, a buck or two. Uh, or if we want to go down, uh, down to the, the, the big city of David, which is about an hour drive, you know, we'll take the bus. It's a dollar 75 and things like that. So, so we're doing pretty well without a car. So obviously our transportation costs have dropped to next to nothing as well. You know, once in a while we'll rent a car, take it to the beach or something like that. Um, or people are very, our next door neighbor, I'm, I'm doing this from my neighbor's apartment right now. She's out of town for the month and she goes, just use my car if, if you want it. Just uh, fantastic. Everybody's so nice. But so we take advantage of that. We're making a beach trip in a, in a few weeks here. And yeah, so there you go. So the, the costs are for what we're getting it would be a lot more expensive in the U.S. Uh, and, and that would be just Ohio. I can only imagine more expensive places like a, a California or New York or something like that. So. so this has been great kind of going through all those categories that you definitely have to plan for, like those, like you said, the big three. But as you also mentioned, this year has not been a typical year and you had to kind of 
make an escape back to the U.S. And I'm curious, as part of your planning, did you have sort of an escape plan ready? And whether you did or did not, do you have any recommendations for people if they're thinking about living abroad, the things that they need to consider and think through in the event that they need to kind of jump ship and come back to the United States? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. So like I said, it's it's not horrible getting in and out of here, which is kind of nice. And we're in the same time zone and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, our our game plan was to stay here and... Even when the pandemic hit, we were we were a little concerned at the beginning, but not a lot. And we decided let's let's ride it out. That was our plan. And you know, uh, when we started seeing this a little more and more in the beginning of March, and then April rolled around, and they they started going pretty draconian here. I mean, they locked everything down. We weren't able to. We just weren't even able to leave our condo at all. And what would happen is you can go. Men could go out on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays for two hours based on the last digit of your passport to the grocery store, banks, or pharmacies, and women on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you couldn't go out together and no kids. So our daughter, imagine having a 10-year-old, well, she was nine at the time, being stuck inside a, I'd say it's probably about a 1,500-square-foot apartment for months at a time. Couldn't go out, couldn't go out to play, couldn't do anything. So that was, that was a little tough. It it got, it got pretty rough here. And at one point then we finally decided, okay, it's time. We got to, let's, let's get out of here. Let's bail and we'll regroup later. And it was probably a bad move. They had a lot less cases here than they, they did in the U S but you know, the concern was family and friends. That's that's always the concern, isn't it? Man, they ruin everything. <laughs> um, no, because because what happened? So then the then you start thinking and you go, gosh. So what what would happen? What would happen if uh, mom or dad gets sick and goes to the hospital? We can't get to them. What if somebody dies? What if this and that? What if what if we get it here? You know, we know the hospitals are are very good here, but we don't know the rules. This is, this is all new to everybody. You know, what if faith gets, gets sick? Will they let us be at the hospital with her here? You know, we, we've been learning Spanish, but not enough that we could talk to them. So there was a lot of worry. And finally we decided at the end of June, we said, okay, it's, it's time. We don't know if we'll be able to get back. The borders were closed, but they were running humanitarian flights. And at the time I didn't know much about what that actually meant, but 
Um, but it actually worked pretty easy. We just booked a flight. The problem is the big airport here is about uh, eight hours away, six to eight hours away. Uh, by if you're driving, there's a small airport here, and so normally you go to the small airport, take a little puddle jumper, takes you about an hour. You get to Panama City, and then you fly back. Well, they closed down all flights, so we we had to basically find a way to get from Boquete to Panama City, and so we hired a guy, and you know he had he was he basically had exemption from this rule and was able to drive us to Panama City, and we took the flight back, and we were good to go. And the problem was they didn't open the reopen the borders for a long time, and so we really thought we weren't going to be able to come back. We thought we would just have to work with our neighbors, see if they could ship some of our stuff and go from there. But then finally they said, okay, October 12th, we're reopening. So we got lucky and we're able to come back. So as far as preparing for the worst, I don't think this was something you could really prepare for. I think, you know, we just had to kind of break it down piece by piece and figure out what's going to be, what's actually going to work for us. What will be the, be the best for our family and that, that's all you can do. So something you mentioned there, or you at least alluded to it, was healthcare. And that's obviously one of the biggest concerns that we hear in the fly community. What am I going to do for healthcare once I lose it for my employer? And I'd love to hear about your personal experience with the healthcare system in Panama. Like, do you get it, you know, if, as a resident, if you live there, do you need citizenship? Do you pay a lot, a little? How does that all work? Okay, that's fair. What do you mean? I thought healthcare is good in the U.S. Didn't they fix that? Is that that's still going on? Not yet. <laughs> no, I think I swear. I as as I read stuff more and more, I always end up like people ask me different questions, and I'll go, uh, and then like everywhere else in the world except for the U.S., this is how they do things, and it's not just healthcare. Everything. It's kind of weird uh, that the U.S. is still backwards on certain points like this, but. Uh, but healthcare, yeah, that's the big one. We all know that. Um, so, no, they do not have healthcare if you're a citizen, as far as I know here, or resident or anything. Mind you, we are not residents. We're tourists here. We did not get our residency here. And we could talk about that more if you want to. But as far as healthcare goes, so we have, we bought expat insurance. And that basically means you got to be out of the country for six months out of the outside of your home country. So outside of the US for six months out of the year in order to be able to use it. But the reason we got it was not for Panama. We got it for when we travel back to the US or if we're on a vacation somewhere or whatever, we're fully covered then. We don't have to worry about anything. Here, I it, it's... It's really good. The healthcare is very good. The doctors are trained uh, in the U.S. They're trained in France. They're trained in Mexico. But they so and and the facilities are not what you'd expect. They're not. Uh, well, maybe you would expect it, but they're not going to be like what you'd expect from the U.S., where you have these fancy buildings and everything. I mean, they're nice. They're all right. Doctors aren't driving Lexuses and all those kind of things. I mean, it, it's it's very good. I, I wanted to do a test run. And so what I did is, and I, I didn't want it to be when I was dying or something. So I, so I went to a dermatologist. I had, uh, I had a couple moles I wanted removed and I was like, you know what, this will be a, a good opportunity to figure this out. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cheesy, but I, but I was like, I, I just want to know how things flow. So I'll feel more comfortable if something happens. So 
I ended up making an appointment. Uh, the major hospitals are in David, like I said, which is about 45 minutes to an hour away from here. And I took a bus down there and well, I'll tell you this. I made my appointment, which was my, my Spanish was horrible at the time and they only spoke Spanish there. So making that appointment was very interesting. It was about 10 minutes of us trying to figure out what each other were trying to do. But, but it was funny. All she cared about was my name and getting the date right. Once we had that, we got down there and they, they didn't like, they didn't know what I was even going there for, which I thought was interesting. Um, so I got there and I was told that, that they're always late. So be prepared for that. And that's fine. I, and I'm always early. So that doesn't work out very well here, but I got, I ended up getting there cause I didn't know where I was going. So I got there about two 15 for a three o'clock appointment. And I, I walked in and it was a big waiting room, uh, for the entire floor instead of just for like one doctor's office. It was for the entire floor. So I, I walked over and she got my name and all that and had me sit down and then she came over. So here's what she cared about. She wanted my name. She wanted my email address so they can uh, send you a copy of the receipt or email you if they needed to uh, phone number. And do you have insurance? And, and, and we did, but I didn't want to deal with that because I wanted to see how this was going to go. So I said, no. Now imagine saying no in the U S if they ask you if you have insurance, it's not going to go well. She went, okay, great. Have a seat. So sat down. That was it. Three o'clock on the money, got called in, talked to this dermatologist. This is the best dermatologist I have ever gone to in my entire life. She took her time. She spoke English and I knew that going into this, that was part of the reason why I went through her. But she took her time. I mean, she examined every mole on me, every mark, and took pictures and everything. And with with her cell phone, by the way, which I thought was kind of, I thought that was kind of freaky. But but I found out that's okay later. I, like that made me a little nervous. But they showed up on the computer screen in the in her office uh, later, and I was like, okay, so that's legit. She doesn't have some weird fetish or something where she takes pictures of people's moles. <laughs> um, but anyway, so she told me everything. She goes, okay, well, the one you have, she goes, I'm telling you it's, it's cosmetic. So you don't need to get it removed. You know, we'll, we'll still, uh, send out for a biopsy and all that kind of stuff. But she goes, it, it's going to be cosmetic. And, uh, if you want it, she goes, I don't recommend you get it removed. There's no reason to do that. But, uh, um, but anyway, so she, she broke it down. She wasn't trying to make a quick buck or anything like that. And so we were all good. And she said, and I said, yeah, I want to get it done. And she goes, okay, well, that one we'll have to cut out. It's not one we could just freeze off or anything like that. So, uh, so we'll have to actually schedule it. And I said, okay. And we scheduled it. And when you leave from there, you pay right at the time. And it was uh, $120, $140 for the whole visit. And that includes the biopsy, the whole thing. So, Yeah. And I didn't end up doing the follow-up. Uh, I didn't need to. That's that's a whole other story you probably don't want to hear about. But uh, um, but regardless, it that was that was it. You pay on your way out. There's no. It's not like months later you get some weird bill and you're like, I don't even understand what this. Is. There's none of that. That was it. You pay cash. You walk. Well, credit card. And you walk out and you're done. That's it. Can't complain. And uh, my understanding is. A lot of first uh, first notch equipment there. 
a lot of the stuff that you might that might even be better than the U.S. in certain things. I've, I've heard stories. I haven't actually seen that. But so even though when you think of third world countries and you think of, oh, this is going to be a train wreck, it's not. I think, you know, sometimes we kind of have our blinders on in the States and just kind of think we're the best. And But there's there's other places that <laughs> have some strong arguments as to why it might not be the best in certain areas. Well, it seems like you're really starting to figure out all the systems, get really comfortable there. I mean, now you've been there a couple of years. Um, I guess what I'm thinking through, though, is I imagine when you move there, part of the appeal is it almost felt like this big vacation. Yes, it's cheaper, but it's it's a different location. It's probably maybe even a little more scenic than Ohio. I don't want to make any you know rash judgments there. But now that you've been living there for a couple of years, do you think it's starting to feel less like a vacation? And do you have your eyes on a different location for like a geo arbitrage? Are you really comfortable with Panama? Oh, that's good. So when we first came here, it was it was interesting overall because it was an overhaul. We, you, you got to remember, I went from working full time to being retired. We moved to a, we sold off everything we owned, moved to a foreign country, took our daughter out of school to start homeschooling her. So this it was, it was just crazy. I mean, every, everything about it was crazy, but when we got here, it it was, there was a lot of, we got to find our footing. We got to just kind of find the right pace, the right routine for us and everything. And, you know, at the beginning, yeah, I'd say there was some, I mean, we went whale watching, we did all kinds of fun stuff like that, but not too much has changed. Now we kind of have a rhythm, but we, we still are doing the, you know, we're going, we're getting up tomorrow. We're going hiking. We'll do the homeschooling a little bit later in the day. Uh, Faith, our daughter is going to, she's going to write a report based on where we're going. Like that's going to be, it's a field trip. You know, there's, so there's, there's, we're still having that fun, but yes, like you're talking about, you know, when you go on vacation, you're not doing laundry. You're not doing paying your bills. You're, you know, your mind's elsewhere, but here, no, we, you know, it, life goes on. You still got to do that stuff. Um, I love it here. I love it that it's 75 degrees. Uh, I, 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 we did that on purpose. You know, I mean, the beach life is something everybody dreams about, but I don't want to live in 85 degree weather. I want to be able to walk around outside without melting. I don't want to live in air conditioning. You know, here we, there's no heat or air conditioning. I mean, you just open the windows and and that's it. It's, it's beautiful all the time. So, so you have that good part, but then on the the flip side, we're missing out on friends and family. And I think it's a little tough with faith because we got an older community here for the most part. I mean, this is mostly, you know, expat retirees here. And so she doesn't have like a ton of friends. She's made some friends and, you know, so have we and stuff, but there's not, it's not like, Hey, let's, she, yeah, go out, go ahead outside and just play with your your neighbors here. You know, our our neighbors are like 84 years old. So it's, well, I mean, the, (laughs) the point being, there's not like a lot of kids. So we have to like schedule to go, okay, let's, uh, let's call your friend's parents. We'll see if we can arrange something and then we'll drive you to their, you know, to their house or vice versa and everything. So there's a lot of planning. There's not a ton of activities for her. So right now we're kind of in that conundrum of trying to figure out, do we stay or do we go? 
We will stay here till at least August of uh, uh, 2021. And that's when our lease runs out. And at that point, it's kind of a good opportunity because if we decide to go back to the U.S., we can put her back in a school if we wanted to. It's around that time. Uh, we might continue to homeschool. If we do go to the U.S., do we go to a different state? You know, are we like, I hate winter. I hate it. I don't know. I, but, uh, but it is what it is. So, you know, but that's where, that's where family is. That's where the friends are. You know, we've made friends here, but it's tough because it's not the friends you grew up with. And, and I mean, you know, we have great times talking with people, but it's not the, Oh my gosh, do you remember, remember 10 years ago when you did this and you know, like, you don't have that that bond of of just knowing each other so well, and that's that's tough. That's that's real tough. But uh, so we're going back and forth trying to decide. I don't think we'd go to a, a separate country right now if if we if we leave here. This is all if we leave Panama. Um, but if we leave, I don't think we'd go to another country right now. And the reason for that is faith, because everything that we're doing, she's the prime directive. We have to figure out what is going to be best for her. And so far this has been best for her. I mean, this is an opportunity that most kids will never experience. Um, but she's, but, but we, and she loves it. She, she'd stay here forever. She's told us a million times and she's fine. She doesn't even care about hanging out with other kids. She'll sit with it. She's one of those kids that just sits with the grownups and good to go. But we're like, but is that best for her? And that's kind of where we're at right now. So it's a it's a big decision on what we're going to do. And we don't have an answer for that yet. Yet. <laughs> so you kind of mentioned that at least August 2021. I mean, I'm just kind of curious. And you also said that you were just a tourist. You're not, you know, citizenship or residency. And it doesn't sound like you're going for either of those. But I'd love if we could at least touch on that. It sounds like it's kind of just like tourist at will. Can you just stay there for, you know, a year on end with no repercussions? No, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, loose as far as what the stipulations are. So, so in a nutshell, as a tourist, you can come here and you can stay here for up to six months and then you have to leave the country for 30 days. So that doesn't mean you have to go back to the U S you know, I mean, if you're retired, like I am, you could go to, uh, St. Martin and stay there for a couple of weeks and then go to the Bahamas. You know, I mean, you can, you can do different things and we've done that. We went back to the U S for a few weeks, the one time, and then, you know, followed up with a cruise before we headed back and, and different things like that. Um, but where they get you is if you have a vehicle, your U S driver's license is only good for 90 days at a time here. And you want to know why that is? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so do I. I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. It's, it's Panama. You can't have everything perfect here. That's the way it goes. So, but so for us, that's not a big deal. But for a lot of folks, that would be a pretty big wrench in the works that you'd have to leave every three months. And the days of border hopping, where you just go over to Costa Rica for you know a, a day or two, you know, stay at a hotel and come back, are pretty much done. They've been cracking down on that. So you don't see much of that anymore. For us, that wasn't a big deal because part of what we built in was travel. We do a lot with travel rewards, so we're not paying a ton. But we we want to fly back and see friends and family often. And we have that ability, so why not do it? So that hasn't been a big deal for us. As far as getting residency here goes, they're actually, it's very easy to get res. I got to be careful how I say that. It's not easy. <laughs> it, everything... 
takes forever here. Um, but it's, it's not hard to actually get what you need to make it happen. Um, the biggest thing for us though, is it would be, it would be pricey for the three of us. You know, we're guessing about $7,500 for attorney fees and, and, uh, all, all the whatnots that you have to do to make it happen for the friendly nations visa, which is it, it, it pretty easy for anybody to obtain that one. Um, the, so that's not the end of the world, $7,500, but our thing was, well, we don't want to do that, right? What if we, what if we just got that right off the rip and we hate it here and now we just dropped $7,500. Are we going to feel guilty? Like we have to stay because we spent that money or, or whatever. So, so the plan was to wait. And once we decide, you know, if we decide we're going to stay here, then yes, we'll get residency. But for the time being, you know, being, uh, what do they call it? A perpetual tourist, uh, isn't the end of the world. It, it, it's been working pretty well for us. And are there any other perks that you know of in Panama for having residency other than just the, not having the annoyance of having to leave every six months? Um, the friendly nations visa gives you the opportunity. You can get a work permit. And so you'd be able to do work here. And that means like, so I make some income from my blog, you know, a little, not much, but I make a little bit from the blog and different things like that. And that's okay. But once you decide you want to sell products or services, uh, in Panama, then you need a work permit. And even that said, there's certain protected jobs you cannot get as a foreigner. Even if you have residency here, you can't, you can't become a, a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer. Those are protected jobs that only Panamanians can have. Um, so that, that's really the only one that comes to mind for me for that visa. However, they have something called the pensionado visa. And that is, it's more directed for retirees, which I am, but it's more directed at traditional retirees in that you have to be a certain age to get some of the benefits. Uh, maybe I should separate this out. They have a thing called Jubilo discounts. And what that, what that basically means is, you know, you get, you get giant percentages off travel at restaurants, uh, doctors, everything. I mean, it is like the, uh, uh, AAA card on steroids and stuff. So, but, uh, um, but you have to be, and I can't remember, and it's a different age for men and women, but let's say, I'm going to be wrong about this, but let's say it's like 65 for men and 55 for women or something like that. Um, so that's fantastic. You can wait and you automatically get that as a resident, even with the Friendly Nations visa. But if you if you get this pensionado visa, then you get that regardless. And so we looked at that and it's cheaper to get that visa but the problem is you have to show, let's see if I can get these numbers right. I think it's $1,200 per month in guaranteed income. And so, and what they're talking, so, you know, we have a high net worth. Uh, you know, I, I definitely can't complain, especially with the market. Definitely can't complain about that right now. But, but they don't look at that. They want to know you have social security coming in or a pension you know, that kind of guaranteed income. I don't even think annuities count anymore. So we, 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 we're not able to get that, that visa. And so the only way we can get that perk, which, you know, Hey, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're able to get that guaranteed income, by all means, that's, that's the way to go. That's kind of, kind of cool. That, that makes, 
travel so much. I mean, you're saving, I think it's like 30% off, off flights and everything. So it's, it's the way to go, but yeah, as far as benefits go, that's what we're looking at. Sweet. Well, I have definitely learned a ton about Panama and travel and your story today, Jim. And you have, I mean, so much content on your blog too. You're definitely a super prolific writer, which is, which is cool for people who want to follow along and learn more about what you're doing. But so where are the best places where people can follow along, get in contact with you, follow, uh, you know, share the journey. They should, uh, they should come down here and visit me personally, knock on my door. Or if you don't want to do that, you can go to uh, routetoretire.com is my blog. Uh, and I am route to retire everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever else is anything else out there any new ones what are you uh young whippersnappers using these days you got tiktok jim <laughs> there you go <laughs> snapchat tiktok no not, none of those <laughs> well thank you jim for giving us those resources and i think i'll be uh taking you up on both offers to come down in person once uh once things clear up travel wise and as well as checking out the blog a lot more um, it's been a ton of great information. I know as we put together all these resources for geo arbitrage, this is going to be a great one for our listeners. So thanks, Jim. Thank you. Very much appreciated. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thebuyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.